And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND. Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And I am he. Great to be with you again, folks. You know, uh, I come back fresh from the smoke. Um, I was actually in New York yesterday and all this smoke hit. And uh, I wondered whether I was going to be able to make it back to Virginia uh, and when I stepped outside, I went up yesterday to do an interview with Eric Metaxas and uh, at TBN uh, headquarters up there, their studios up in New York. When I stepped outside to leave, uh, it hit me. You could smell it. It was thick. And I thought there was a fire somewhere nearby. So got to the airport and they started, make, make, started making announcements about delays and cancellations and the smoke was so thick, the visibility was so low, and I'm thinking, oh, no. Uh, so I was up there in it. My plane was just delayed for a short time, and I finally got out of there and got home uh, uh, somewhere around 8 o'clock. But, but, yeah, folks, I was, I was up there, and it's real. It's real. In fact, there's little, little of it affecting us here in Virginia. Now, not, not, a, not much. The sun is shining right now, and there's a little bit of haze, but, but not a whole lot. But up there, it was thick. You could see it. So, you know, climate change, right? Yeah, sure. Folks, this stuff has been happening since time immemorial. And, but once again, the left is going crazy and saying, this, this is what climate change is doing. Everything is climate change. You know, it's just like on the social side, this is on the environmental and economic side, everything is climate change. On the social side, everything is race. It's, it's the same thing. These, again, folks, it's, it's, these are the, the mantras of a cult. And there's one answer that they have. It's, I guess it's race or climate change, one or the other. But at any rate, I got home safely, thank God, and uh, I, I hope that the people uh, up in New York and, uh, and uh, northeast part of America will ultimately realize that this is something that they have to deal with for a few days, it'll pass, uh, and not to, not to panic and not to go crazy, and, and again, not to allow the left to use this as another opportunity to say, you know, you need to give up some more freedom, you need to give up some more of your just surrender more because after all you need us to save you from this stuff because it's going to kill you yeah well forest fires and uh, snowstorms and hurricanes and tornadoes uh, and tsunamis and earthquakes are just part of living in a fallen world and these things are going to happen and they're going to happen until the Lord cleanses this universe of all the poison that sin has injected into it and sets everything right so that there's no more tragedies of any kind or problems of any kind. That's what the kingdom of God is going to look like. And folks, I am looking forward to it, aren't you? I really am. And praise God for it that we are not as those without hope. 
And we, we know we've got something wonderful to look forward to, which brings me to the, the next point, the, the, the really the first story I want to cover. The death of Pat Robertson. Now, this hits me personally because while I wasn't Pat Robertson's close friend or anything, I, I knew him and I, I knew him well. I uh, spent a significant amount of time for him, with him, mainly uh, in the late 1990s. But, but we continued to see each other from time to time. Of course, lately he's been more sick and more sedentary and, and, and less, he hasn't gotten around much. But I'd run into him in various meetings and he and I would commiserate. I worked for Pat Robertson at the Christian Coalition as one of the directors and ultimately ran a project called the Samaritan Project, which responded to all the the church fires that were going on in the late 90s. Uh, Sat in a lot of meetings with Pat Robertson. um, And like I said, spent a lot of time listening to him talking about his vision. Um, I did not support him for president of the United States at the time. I'm not even sure what I was doing or what I was involved in at that point. But um, he ran for president, and I tell you, he did a great service to the country and to the Christian community because he galvanized a lot of Christians when he ran for president. So Pat Robertson, in fact, I don't have it in front of me for those of you who are watching me um, live stream, but you know, maybe I'll, I'll get it after the break and show it to you. But I got a picture of me laying hands on Pat Robertson at Israel Baptist Church for an event that we did there. Uh, for the Christian Coalition, bringing, once again, folks, bringing people together across racial and cultural lines. Israel Baptist Church was a predominantly black church. We brought the Christian Coalition together there and brought people together across racial and cultural lines. You know, I haven't changed. My, my vision and my views have not changed since I became a Christian. Uh, I said this is one of the things God impressed upon me, to bring people together, that, that race— was uh, 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 that you want to talk about an artificial construct, that that's the artificial construct that people make up to divide against one another and that you need to break that down. Don't, don't think that way. Think in terms of human beings rather than thinking terms, in terms of racial classifications. And I really tried to practice that since I got saved and the Lord impressed that, that truth upon me. And so there we were, and, 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 and by the way, I'm not bragging about it. It's just the way it was. This was, this was my baby. This was something that I instituted, uh, this, this, this church service. And during the church service, we laid hands on Pat Robertson and, and, and I think a few others as well uh, who might have been there. But Pat Robertson, of course, is the leader of the Christian Coalition, was the person that, that we were really praying for, for his leadership for the organization and so forth. So, yeah. I knew Pat, and I'll tell you, I, I live, oh, now a little bit further away, but still relatively close to Regent University. And every time I drive by there, and, and that probably happens numerous times in the course of a year, because, you know, I live here in the area, I'm just traveling around, and I, I just, I, I'm, I, I never cease to be amazed what God can do with one person who commits to him. I mean, this this network, American Family Radio, um, the American Family Association, and all of the related ministries are a testament to what God can do with one person who sells out to him, who is completely committed to him. Brother Don Wildman did that, and, and look at what has resulted from that. Pat Robertson did that, and look at what has resulted from that. 
Another dear friend of mine, Andrew Walmick, has done that. And look at what has resulted from that. So let's be praying for Pat's family and his wife passed away, I think about a year ago. But be praying for Gordon and the rest of the family and and all of the folks uh, who work at at the Christian Broadcast Network, CBN, and at at the Regent, uh, that that they would be comforted in knowing this, folks. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, for they shall rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Jesus said to his disciples when he was about to depart, you shall see me again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. And we have this hope that we're going to all get together one day and we will be together for all of eternity and be able to to talk to each other and fellowship with each other and hear from each other and learn from each other and grow with each other. and uh, It's going to be wonderful. So um, Pat was not lost. No one lost him. He went home to be with his Lord. And I hope that his family is consoled by knowing that. We'll be back in a moment. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Well, folks, it's time for another good report. I am joined by a congressman from the 5th Congressional District of Virginia, Congressman Bob Good. Congressman, as always, I am so thrilled to have you on because you bring us information that we we really want to know and, and, and sometimes can't get through the mainstream, most of the time can't get through the mainstream media. So welcome to The Awakening. Great to be with you, Bishop Jackson. Thanks for having me once again, my friend. So look, please respond to this pet peeve I have. Christopher Ray seems to think that he has no responsibility to cooperate with the Congress of the United States when it is Congress that authorizes the very existence of the FBI. Uh, he finally allowed um, the committee to see this document that, that, that they were, I guess, several documents. What is going on with them? It does, do these people not understand that they have an accountability relationship with Congress and that Congress has oversight, constitutional oversight responsibility? You're exactly right, as always, and of the many crises that have been created by this administration and the tremendous uh, harm that's been done, among the many others, you could argue that the uh, loss of trust in one sacred institution, such as federal law enforcement, how damaging, how dangerous, how harmful that is, that probably about half the country feels like there's a two-tier justice system, there's disparate treatment of individuals based on political uh, support for one candidate or another or one party or another, that certainly Joe Biden and his family are treated differently than Donald Trump and his family as a, as a obviously very pronounced example that we see. Uh, but then to your other point, you're a constitutional scholar who knows this, but the founders in their, uh, we would believe, divinely inspired wisdom in crafting this experiment in representative democracy, a constitutional republic, and founding the country appropriately, you know, uh, for, uh, or intended for the people, the people, uh, we being a government, as, as uh, the 16th president would famously say, of the people, by the people, for the 
the people, but the people would have uh, would, would have the ultimate authority and as primarily exercised through the ballot box and through their representatives and at the federal level, of course, that being primarily the House of Representatives. And so what other choice do we have to hold in check uh, an executive branch or even a president run amok, run afoul of the law, run you know, contrary to the Constitution and their actions, in which we could point to many examples of that that we've seen in the last two and a half years. And so Congress must exercise its appropriate responsibility, its appropriate authority to oversee the executive branch, including the Department of Injustice under Merrick Garland, who deserves to be impeached, and including the FBI, the once most respected federal law enforcement uh, institution uh, under uh, Director Ray, who I would submit also deserves to be impeached. You know, I've, I've said to my audience many times, if you destroy the confidence of the American people in the voting process and you destroy yes. the confidence of the American people in the criminal justice, the law enforcement system, you, you undermine two major pillars of civilization. And we, we've got serious problems. Those are as foundational as anything. You're exactly right. Trust in law enforcement, justice system, number one, like you said, and number two, the integrity, the accuracy, the fairness of our elections. And both of those have been compromised, uh, perhaps like, certainly not in modern times, perhaps not like we've seen in our country. Well, here's here's my second question. Uh, President Biden just vetoed the, um, the the legislation that was passed to stop the loan giveaway and he has vowed that he is going to, as he puts it, do what he can do to relieve the middle class of the burden of the money that they, <laughs> that people borrowed on their own uh, for their educations. Where is that going? I, I are the votes there to override a veto? And, uh, or, or are we, and the courts, I understand, are going to rule on this as well. But where do you see all this landing? Well, here is the president overturning the will of the people, as expressed, again, their representatives on a bipartisan basis. But setting aside that for a moment, the legislative process, just speaking to the appropriateness, setting aside the constitutionality for just a moment, setting aside the uh, legislative responsibility for a moment, the immorality, uh, the inappropriateness, the egregiousness of that we're going to pick and choose okay, these folks don't have to pay their obligations, and instead we're going to transfer that responsibility to others who did not incur that responsibility, those who did not borrow the loan to be required to pay back those who did. What, you know, most people don't really want to pay their mortgage loan or their car loan or their credit card balance or their business loan or whatever it might be. So why, are, why and how are we picking student loan balances uh, as that which you know, is not to be paid? Where is the, where is the constitutional justification? for the government, even through the Congress, to do that, to take taxpayer, hard-working taxpayer dollars to pay people's debts. Then you've got, of course, the, the constitutional authority aspect where Biden himself, Nancy Pelosi herself, and Biden's Secretary of Edu- Education, uh, Mr. Cardonia, all said a year or so ago they didn't, that he did not have the constitutional authority to do this. And then, to your point, he does it anyway. He acts as an emperor, as a king, as a, 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 by executive fiat to do this. He doesn't have the authority to spend 
taxpayer dollars on his own. That's the responsibility of the House of Representatives. He deserves to be impeached because of the border. He deserves to be impeached for depleting our strategic petroleum reserves uh, for political reasons just before the election. He deserves to be impeached for doing things like this. And I would also submit he announced he was going to do it right before the election in an attempt to buy votes for the Democrat Party. Uh, so to your, to your question specifically, it passed the House. It passed the Senate on a bipartisan basis. But a small number of Democrats voted for it, and we will not in all likelihood have the, the, the numbers to overturn his veto, I'm sorry to say. So our hope now turns to the Supreme Court, which I am very confident will do the appropriate and accurate and, and constitutionally consistent thing by overturning uh, this authority he has claimed and abused. Okay, I hope I have time to ask you an overall question, but before we get to that, the discovery of this potential spy base that China is putting in Cuba. And China seems to be becoming more and more belligerent as if they're saying, you know, uh, there's nothing America can do. We've got them on the run and we can do whatever we want to do. Uh, how, how, how do you read all that? Is there anything that Congress can do about any of this stuff? Because I just feel like this weakness that's being projected is leading us to a major conflict that would be avoidable if China respected our leadership. You're exactly right, and I know you have a great appreciation for this as a courageous patriot who served in the Marine Corps and the experience and the knowledge that you've gained. Uh, but this, an adversary such as China, which we can begin with the fact that the president does not recognize, does he not understand or does he choose not to recognize China as an adversary? And how is the corrupt Biden crime family's business dealings in China influencing their China policy, by the way, when instead of recognizing them as an adversary, he considers them a friendly or maybe a sometimes unfriendly competitor, a competitive mm -hmm. partner, if you will. And they do not respect Joe Biden. They do not respect the weakness that he continues to portray. They do not fear him, and they continue to flaunt and taunt him uh, with increasingly aggressive actions, and now in our own hemisphere. So there needs to be a strong message sent to China, but also to Cuba. Also to Cuba. Uh, you know, there are those who, as you know, who have pushed, okay, we need to relax sanctions and, 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 our, and, and mm -hmm. open our relationship with Cuba. Well, Cuba, well, here's just the latest demonstration of where Cuba still is today and the threat that they pose uh, to freedom and to the United States, if only through their alliance with, with an entity such as China. Yeah, we did the same thing with China. How's that working out for us? I mean, Joe Biden, remember, famously said, China eating our lunch? Come on, man. <laughs> well, <exactly> frankly, right. <laughs> yeah, they're they're eating our lunch, and we seem to be willing to feed it to them. That's right. So, That's right. Yeah. Go ahead, look, sir. Uh, overall, I really believe that we are in the middle of a cultural revolution, that the left and the Democrat Party are trying to fundamentally change the very nature of this country forever. How do you read what's going on? Because I hear policy discussions, which are important, obviously, but some don't seem to get that there's an underlying issue here of of a of a real of an effort to to dramatically alter the nature of this country. Your comments. You're exactly right. It, it's, it's it's sort of similar to what you just talked about with China. First, we have to know who our enemy is, identify our enemy, recognize our enemy, so that we can confront appropriately and, and uh, defeat an enemy in whatever capacity that we might need to. And in this case, you know, the left 
uh, is relentless in its determination, as you said, to transform our country into a communist, Marxist, godless uh, image. And it is a relentless assault every day. It's a relentless battle every day through the culture, as you said, through our education system, through our academic structure, K to 12 schools, college campuses, through the policy they're advancing on the state level, on the, on, the, on the national level, through the open border policy, through trying to define on, us on race, through trying to break down the family and morality and marriage and just even basic fundamental truths such as our God created sex uh, that, you know, immutably uh, unchangeable. Uh, and uh, you're exactly right. They are trying to transform this country. Uh, we are losing that battle, and we have got to be on offense. We've got to stand unashamedly, unapologetically for truth, uh, if not for ourselves, for our kids and our grandkids. Well, I, I, I know that you understand that. I would that every political leader in America did, uh, because it, we're going to need to, as you put it, understand that in order to really combat it and stop it. How can people support you, get in touch with you? Um, wh where do they go? Well, I appreciate you asking. They can follow me at, at Rep. Bob Good on social media. And then, of course, uh, go to BobGoodForCongress.com if they want to uh, help with the target that I have on my back for folks who'd like to see me not stay in office. Well, listen, I don't care what they say. You are my favorite congressman. We're going to keep you there. Thanks so much, Thank Bob. God bless yeah, you. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks. We'll be back in a moment. It's my turn. Here is your host for My Turn, Don Wildman. On November the 19th, 1863, two men were speakers at the dedication of a soldier's cemetery on a famous battlefield in Pennsylvania. One of the men who was to speak was the main speaker for the day, and the other had only a few words to say. The man who spoke first... The featured speaker spoke for a full two hours. The other gentleman said what he had to say in three minutes and used only 219 words to say it. Two years later, both of these men were dead. The featured speaker died as a result of natural causes. The man who had only a few words to say died as a result of an assassin's bullet. Very few people have ever heard any part of a featured speaker's address, yet nearly every school child in America has learned by heart the words of the second speaker. I guess as one looks back at the thing, that how much one says isn't all that important. Now, you preachers and, and politicians, you need to take note of what I'm saying. One is left with the firm impression that what matters most is what one says. In other words, it isn't quantity that counts in the long haul, but quality. And this principle could be applied not only to speeches, but more specifically to lives. Take the example of the life of Frederick William Robinson, hardly a person there is who has studied at the job of being a minister, who has not only heard of this man, but also studied his writings. He was the pastor of Holy Trinity Church in Brighton, England, he regularly preached to larger crowds than most preachers do today. His sermons have been preserved and printed, yet he died when he was only 37 years old. Or consider Nathan Hale. 
He was a school teacher prior to the Revolutionary War. Entering the service, he was commissioned a captain. He volunteered for spy duty behind the lines of the enemy, knowing the penalty should he be captured. He was captured and was hanged the next day. The enemy refused his request for a Bible and the services of a minister. Yet he died only after saying that he regretted that he had only one life to give for his country. He was dead at the age of 21. There was another who lived only a short time. He was a carpenter until he was about 30 and then turned to preaching. His ministry was extremely short, covering a period of approximately three years. He enjoyed moments of popularity and acceptance as a minister and a pastor and a preacher, but was eventually rejected and put to death as a criminal and enemy of the state. His name was Jesus of Nazareth. He died at the age of 33. The two men who spoke at Gettysburg that day in 1863 were Edward Everett and Abraham Lincoln. I don't have to tell you which man's speech is remembered because most of us know the Gettysburg Address. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Well, folks, they're from a congressman's own mouth. We are in a major cultural revolution, and he said it, and we're losing. We're not going to lose, but there's no question that at this moment we're losing. And I think we're losing in part because we don't have leaders like him who are willing to say what he said. And again, people want to nibble away at the margins, but they don't want to go right to the heart of the matter. Because the heart of the matter is we do have a bunch of Marxists and socialists and communists, atheists, secularists, and sexual perverts who are interested in transforming this country from a country that is based upon faith in God to a country that is based upon serving the devil. It's, this, that, it's just really just that plain and simple. The word of God says, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. And I really believe what that means is that the nations that forget God will become hellish nations. That's in Psalm 917. The nations that forget God shall become hellish nations. And that's exactly what the Democrat Party and the left is trying to do to America, trying to turn America into a hellish nation. Did you hear that the Southern Poverty Law Center has declared Moms for Liberty a hate organization? Moms for Liberty. The mothers who are standing up and saying, we don't want our children taught this gender-bending, wicked, twisted, perverse, evil, child-grooming garbage. Mothers who are standing up saying, we don't want our children taught that their identity is based upon the color of their skin. And if your skin is lighter and you've got European ancestry, you're a, a, a evil. You're an oppressor. You're a bad person. You are terrible. And if your skin happens to be darker, you got more melanin because maybe your ancestors come from Africa or India. You are, you are a virtuous victim. You deserve all this special stuff because, after all, the world owes you something. 
and all those other people are bad. I mean, this, this stuff is insidious. And Moms for Liberty has said, no, you're not teaching our children that stuff. And Moms for Liberty, by the way, is made up of women of all backgrounds. But oh, no, no, the Southern Poverty Law Center, which you all know also attacked us here at American Family Association, has attacked Moms for Liberty and said they're a hate group. I mean, and, and, to, and to know that the FBI is still consorting with these people. The FBI is still turning to the Southern Poverty Lie Center for information about who they should be investigating and who might be a threat and who might be a danger. Moms for liberty. <sighs> Lord, help us. So this is what I mean, folks. We've got to have whoever that president is. We've got to have a president of the United States who understands the circumstance we are in. And again, the, uh, understands, of course, yes, of course, we need low taxes. Of course, we need less regulation. Of course, we need to balance our budget. There is no doubt about that. We've got to do that. But folks, if we continue to create a culture that indoctrinates people into believing that none of those things matter, and that indeed the Constitution doesn't matter and the Declaration don't matter because they're written by a bunch of racist slaveholders and we should pay no attention to those antiquated documents because they're born of evil. And people who will teach our children at the earliest age that their identity is in their race and that they might not even be the gender they were told because after all, it's up to the, 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 the teachers' unions and whoever to help children discover what their real gender is, not the one they were assigned. And that every illegal immigrant can come on across the border as long as you vote Democrat, you're in, we don't care. We'll figure out a way to shoehorn you in here. If we, if we continue to, to turn out people like a, like a conveyor belt with that attitude, then it's, just, it's not a question of whether. It's only a question of when America collapses as a constitutional republic. It can't be sustained with people who think that way. We've got to have people in this country who love God, love our country, believe that our rights and freedoms come from Almighty God, believe in the rule of law, believe that the Constitution is indeed the most successful governing document in the history of mankind and should be revered and respected as such and want to follow it and want to restrict the powers of government to it so that individual liberty can continue to thrive. We've got to raise up a generation like that. You know, God had to kill, allow to die, is a better way to put it, a whole generation of people before he could take Israel into the promised land because the generation that he brought to the door of the promised land didn't have the vision to see it. Oh, no, 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 no. There are giants in the land, and we can't, we can't do that. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's, we, we liked it in Egypt. We like being under a dictator. We like being slaves. We like having our food and our clothing and our sustenance assured. Even though we were treated like slaves and like dogs, well, that's a small price to pay, but at least we were secure. Now, you want us to go up and fight to take the promised land? Who needs that? we got to raise up a generation who wants the promised land that God has given us 
and not the flesh pots of Egypt, not the flesh pots of Marxism and socialism and totalitarianism and, and having somebody dictate to you what you can and cannot say, what you should and should not think and where you may and may not go and all. I mean, basically taking control of your entire life. When you got people getting fired simply because their company finds out that they think a certain way and that's enough. I don't want my granddaughter growing up in an America like that and your grandchildren either. And we're not going to let it happen. In the name of Jesus, we are not going to let it happen. Look, the number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. I'll start taking some of your calls as soon as we come back. We've only got a couple minutes right now. Uh, 888-589-8840 is the number. Let me mention one other thing about Pat Robertson, by the way. Oh, I, the reason why I, I just said I didn't support him, that might have been the wrong way to say it. I wasn't, uh, when I look back on when he ran, I wasn't really involved in the primary. That was the primary that George H.W. Bush ultimately won. I wasn't really involved in the primary process. Um, I didn't get involved until after the primary in supporting him for president against Mike Dukakis. Uh, so, but... The left is already going after Pat Robertson. And just as I've said before, uh, when, when uh, uh, Justice Ginsburg died, I refused to say anything about her negative because I felt like it would be inappropriate and disrespectful, though I knew I didn't agree with her, but I didn't want to sort of dance on her grave and celebrate her death because we don't do that. But see... This is what we're up against, folks. We are up against godless people who are full of hatred and venom, and they are dancing on the grave of Pat Robertson. What they don't know is they better repent or they're going to answer to God one day for their wickedness. I'll leave it at that. And they say we're mean, we're hateful, but we don't do that. They do it gladly. They do it with glee. The Bible warns us not to, not to, not to celebrate when the, when the wicked fall, because it could happen to us. And because we love people anyway, we don't hate them because they don't agree with us. We hate what they might stand for. We hate what they, what they think. We hate what they might want to try to do. But we don't, we don't hate them because we know God loves them. And, and look, I was once an abject sinner who was estranged from God. As the Bible says, I was, I was a stranger from, from the covenants of Israel. I was, I was without God in the world, but he loved me anyway and loved me right into a relationship with him. And that's what we want for everybody. They don't want that because they don't have that. You know what they want? They want you dead. It's sad to say it, but that's where they are. And it's, it's just a travesty. It is really a travesty. This man made a major contribution to this country. He's a towering figure in America and made an impact on the, on the body of Christ uh, that, that is among the greatest made in the modern world. And we should celebrate his life. Uh, and we're going to do that anyway. Just wanted to let you know that, of course, true to form, the left doesn't have the class to be willing to at least acknowledge his death with respect. Back in a moment. Back to the Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. The number, 
888-589-8840. Let's get your calls in. Let's go to Mary in Kansas. Mary, welcome. Thank you. I was just thinking that, you know, the Democrats had the House of Representatives now. They would not be so lenient towards the FBI if they were conducting business the correct way. And I feel like letting the head of FBI off with it not doing contempt of Congress just because all of a sudden they decided to hand over that piece of paper proving that Joe Biden and his family are doing misguided deals with the <laughs> China and maybe other places. So I just feel like everybody should call and tell them that they wouldn't give us that break. Just look what they did to January 6th people, held them in jail, and wouldn't let them have seen anybody, and a lot of them were innocent of everything. So I just feel like they were doing good there, and then all of a sudden, tell them he's not going to be held accountable for contempt. I just, I'm, I'm upset about that. Well, but I was also yeah, going to say that... Go ahead. Yes, go ahead, sir. No, no, go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say... If they wanted to hear some more news, that the day shift does a really good job building American Family Radio at 10 p.m. Monday through Friday Central Time, securing America. You can learn a lot more to what our government Amen. is doing to us. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for the call, um, Mary. Let me just say this as a as a legal matter: they were going to hold him in contempt of court for refusing to turn over the documents. Once he turned over the documents, there's a legal principle that comes into play. It's called the principle of a matter being moot or no longer being ripe. In other words, he's now done what was being asked, so you don't have any basis now for holding him in contempt. But I would agree with you in this sense. Christopher Ray needs to go. He needs to go. And so, and Bob Good mentioned his impeachment. I mean, he needs to be impeached. He needs to be removed. Um, and I would hope that whoever the next president is, one of the things he would do on day one is to fire him and to get an FBI director in there who actually believes that his job is to enforce the law without prejudice either way. Without, I'm not going to favor Republicans. I'm not going to favor Democrats. I'm not going to favor liberals. I'm not going to favor conservatives. I'm going to enforce the law. So I, I think that's, that's really the issue. He needs to go. Holding in, in, in contempt wouldn't get you anywhere. It would, it would it really kind of be a waste of time. But thank you for the call, Mary. Let's go to John in Texas. John, welcome. Oh, man. Hello, Bishop. Uh, you're on a roll today, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is uh, Spec 5E5 John B. calling you. I called last year. Thank you for your um, service, John. I told uh, Korea. I told the screener. Uh, I'm really scattered in my little brain about this, but Biden made the comment on Mike. I'm I'm almost certain it was a TV outlet. I saw it uh, saying, making the statement that we're going to test the courts. If this could, turns out to be against the law or against the courts, then they'll change it. But by that time, we will have done what we needed to do. He said that on regular television. Yep. And, and this was, you know, a couple a couple of months after he took office, and the public, like me, is sitting out here thinking, why hasn't somebody taken him to task for this stuff? Um, yeah. And you well, made me think about that, what you were talking about earlier, about the military. Um, the military yeah. can't stand the way it's being run right now. Yeah. 
Uh, well, listen, uh, first of all, John, thank you for your service again. Thank you for the call. Man, uh, where do I start with that one? It, w- w- he said that about the rent moratorium. He admitted that he didn't have the constitutional authority to do it, but he was going to do it anyway. By the time they you know, got it all straightened out, you know, it, 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 would, it probably wouldn't matter. But re- folks, you remember that um, President uh, Obama said many times he didn't have the authority to do anything about the so-called, which I hate this name, the Dreamers program, um, giving them some kind of amnesty and so forth. And then he went and did it anyway. Look, we're dealing with people who don't care what the Constitution says. They see the Constitution as simply being in their way. They don't respect it. Joe Biden, Barack Obama, took an oath to the Constitution and then immediately proceeded to show that they could care less what they took an oath to or they could care less what it says. See, this is what I mean about the cultural revolution we are in, because here again, I think the spirit of the Democrat Party has not changed. But there were many Democrats along the way over the last, oh, I don't know, let's just talk about just since, since the end of the Civil War. Who would say we all owe a duty to the Constitution because we all took an oath to the Constitution? You don't have that anymore. They don't, they, I don't think they care about it. I think they think it's, it's, a, it's a document in the way. So that's, that's part of the major problem we've got in this cultural revolution. People simply don't respect our institutions. They don't respect our founding documents. They don't respect our founding fathers. They don't respect our history. They want to tear the whole thing down and rebuild it into some kind of weird, wick, wicked image that they have of what a socialist Marxist society ought to look like. I mean, so that's that's the problem we've got. But you you nailed it, John. You that that they 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 just the Constitution to them is just a comma that they need to kick out of the way. Okay, let's go to another first time caller today, Sophia in Virginia. Sophia, welcome. Hi, Bishop. Thank you so much for for your service. Um, for your show and for your Thank you, uh, love for the Lord in our country. I wanted to just comment. I, I do think the cultural problems we're having is, is part of a bigger picture of, um, as you have said, a, a plan to just to destroy our country. And, uh, and the, the communist kind of um, plan is to sow discord and division um, to get rid of God, uh, mm-hmm. that just seems to be everywhere, and um, uh, it's it, it's not surprising to me that Biden um, is this is this um, inept person and and failing mentally. But um, I think he was chosen as vice president and then president because he can be manipulated, he can be a puppet, and um, and. People can work through him, like George Soros, who is funding all these um, DAs who don't want to enforce the law, and um, and other um, anti-American uh, candidates. But I would hope that that Christians would would realize that God says it's it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, Amen. and that if we turn to Him and and keep confessing our sins as a country that he will forgive our sins um, and, and heal, the heal land. our land. 
And Sophia, thank you so much for the call. Folks, this gives me an opportunity to remind you all that on uh, July the 14th, that's 714, I am hosting a patriotic rally, a Second Chronicle 714 patriotic rally to secure America's future. If my people, that's what Second Chronicle 714 says, we're doing it, that's why we chose that date, the seventh month, the 14th day. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's going to be at the at the Richmond Marriott, 500 East Broad Street in Richmond, Virginia. And you're, you're invited to come wherever you are. Uh, so uh, we'll have more information about that on our website and let you know more about it as we get closer. But that's July the 14th, 6 p.m. for the reception, 7 p.m. It's, it's a rally. It's not a sit-down dinner or anything, but 7 p.m. for the rally itself. Uh, but you are absolutely right, Sophia. What can I say? You, God is the answer, and what America needs most right now is to return to God. Josh, first-time caller from Georgia. Josh, welcome. Thank you, Bishop. Thanks for having me. I appreciate everything you do. Thank you. All right, my comment uh, basically just has to be about the wisdom of men being foolishness uh, to God mm-hmm. and how that adequately defines the left. Uh, this whole trying to divide us by race thing, race, theology, whatever, it might as well be a theology. Uh, but with me, my background being Puerto Rican, and the other side of my family being Scotch-Irish, I wonder how they would handle somebody like me if it's all about race. Because I'm either, by their logic, I'm either a virtuous oppressor <laughs> or I'm a privileged <laughs> victim. So I just leave, uh, I leave it the rest of, of the time to you to make a comment. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you so much, Josh. Listen, folks. You know, I have never shared this before, but I'm going to take this opportunity to share this. Uh, And I've never shared it because I know my enemies would try to use it against me. But, you know, I did the genetic test and 80 percent of my ancestry comes from Africa, uh, Ivory Coast and Ghana primarily. But but I got a little, I guess, genetic stuff from along the West Coast and down um, into further into the southern part of Africa, but it's mainly gone in the Ivory Coast. 20% of my DNA comes from Europe, Great Britain, believe it or not. <laughs> so, so, you know, Josh, you and I have the same problem now that that cat is out of the bag. <laughs> so, what, what do they do with us, Josh? What, what exactly are we? I mean, you know, this question was never raised in a serious way with Barack Obama. Well, how can you be that so so black when you're half white? <laughs> you know what I mean? what the, but but here again, folks, you know this this is that that, that look. The game that's being played is we got to identify you with the victim to keep you on our side. So and Josh, I don't know where that would fall with you. Uh, I guess I, I just don't know whatever they could persuade you to go along with. But Josh, I got a feeling you're going to go along with what is right. Oh, my goodness. Don, we used up the time. I wish I could have gotten to you. It would have been great to hear from you as well. Please call me again. And uh, we do have to, I see with your comment, we do have to pray for our enemies. I said that earlier in the program. We don't hate people. We, we pray for them. We love them. We don't, we don't want them to go to hell. We want them to go to heaven. 
but we can't go along with the things that they're trying to do because we do have to hate lies, hate falsehood, hate evil. That's going to do it for today, folks. God bless each and every one of you. Stand up, step up, speak up, refuse to back up because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.